Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. It's time to reimagine therapy and what it means to be a therapist. We are human beings who can now present ourselves as whole people with authenticity, purpose, and connection, especially now when therapists must develop a personal brand to market their practices. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back to the Modern Therapist Revival Guide. I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy. Today we're talking about online reputation management, negative Yelp reviews, what we can do as therapists to branch confidentiality, branch our professional image management, and how we hold ourselves accountable online. So Katie, how do you go about ensuring that you get five stars? Five stars all the time. Five stars all the time. Perfect. Perfect reputation. Well, I think oftentimes when we put ourselves online, we are interacting with the people in our community. So our professional colleagues, our friends, our family members. And I think depending on the type of business, as as you know, I have a therapy business, but I also have have a consulting business, depending on the type of business, I can ask people to come in and provide positive reviews, just like we've done with our podcast. We've asked people to go onto our iTunes and give us ratings and reviews that are obviously five stars because they love us so much. And so I think you can front load it that way. But as a therapist, I've actually tried to stay very far away from that because of the different laws and ethics around asking for testimonials, asking for reviews, and trying to manage confidentiality. But I think with the way things are going, forward with the online presence that you have to have with all the different ways that people are choosing who they work with, I think we have to figure out how do we navigate because whether we agree that clients should have an opportunity to review us or not and be able to give us testimonials or that we should be able to ask them for testimonials or not, they may give them to us. They may be positive, they may be negative. And so I think this is a really important topic for us to talk about. And this is certainly something that that people we've been talking to have wanted to say like, hey, I got a negative Yelp review or I got a weird health grades rating. How do I handle it? And I think the first thing is really making sure that you claim as many of those profiles as are relevant so that you can at least get a handle on what information is presented online. And so what this means, and I know that in some areas, Yelp, you can come in as a business owner and you can say, yes, this is my business. You can, in some cases, be able to limit what people are able to comment or rate on you. And so if you haven't, I know of therapists who do find out after the fact that a negative review has been left on them before they really ever realize, hey, I have a Yelp page about my Mm -hmm. business, then the best step in a lot of this and a lot of what we're going to keep coming back to is be proactive about things. Take the ownership of things before those opportunities really come up. And if you haven't, or if you don't, and you find out after the fact, there is some ways to manage some of the things about that. I think it's so important because there's this notion that we shouldn't create a Yelp account. We shouldn't claim some of these other 
more things because then we're just asking for these reviews. But in truth, I have never claimed the health grades. My health grades is actually my old clinic job. Like it has no current information. So if somebody's looking me up, they're not going to be able to find my practice. And so there's inaccurate information there. And I think the other thing is exactly what you were saying is that anyone can create a Yelp account for you. They can make a Yelp for your business. And so if you don't put that in there, then you have no control and you actually don't have any mechanism to monitor it, to make sure that what's on there is accurate and that you're not getting a whole bunch of negative reviews. So living in a world where people can and do review you, and there's a number of sites that might even hold you hostage that a good friend of mine had recently brought up about a site that was rating addiction specialists, and he doesn't work with addictions at all. And it had given him some ridiculously low score. And in order for him to change the score on it, he had to pay some exorbitant fee for them to then rate him higher. That sucks. Yes. So (laughs) there are a number of things. Some are a little bit more above board than others. And this is unfortunately a part of the way of life right now. So one of the most proactive ways that you can go about things is claiming your profile on a lot of these sites in the first place, but also creating a lot of good content about yourself that will fill out Google search results or other Mm -hmm. search engine results ahead of time to maybe push some of those review sites down to page three or four. And you know, if you have clients that are making it to page three or four of your Google search results, then you might want to start looking at personality disorders in your diagnostics. <laughs> or, or they might just be conscientious. They might be conscientious. <laughs> I think the other piece that can go with being proactive is on these sites, putting some sort of a disclaimer or some sort of a direction to people who are looking at these review sites saying that you're not going to interact based on confidentiality and potentially even directing people with any concerns to talk to you directly in person. I think that's something that can be really helpful. And it's something that I actually do in my first session. I don't talk about online reputation management with my clients, but I do say if they have a problem with me, I want them to talk to me first before they make a complaint to the board, I want to make sure that they're talking with me, that we're addressing any concerns in session. And I think for me, that's been a big help is that I have the conversations with people so they don't necessarily take to the internet to complain to me. For listeners of some of our other episodes that know my affinity for Scott Miller and his work is not only do I understand that clients are going to rate and judge me in their own ways, but in sessions, I ask them to fill out a questionnaire at the end of session. So I'm used to my clients rating me on a session by session basis anyway, and understand that some of this stuff can be really addressed before they even leave the office. I can say, oh, you didn't feel like I was quite listening to you well enough today. It's something that I can address before they even have the opportunity to get out to the elevator and start posting negative things online about their session. That really goes a long way as far as making clients feel that I'm there to understand them and I'm there to really provide the service of responding to them. What I've done in the past is had those conversations try to predict if a client's upset, but I know I'm not perfect. There's times when there's been misfires, mismatches. There's times when my clients have been upset about something that was related to the clinical work. And there's been times that that's not possible to completely prevent some of the negative stuff that gets out. Fortunately, I've not had negative things get out into a review site, but I have had clients who've been disappointed in what I did or frustrated with what I did and either moved on or talked to other clients. And I think what really it comes down to is 
is no matter how proactive we are, there is the potential that we're going to have a negative review, a one-star rating, that kind of stuff. And so I think it's important to really know how to handle it when that happens. I know you had a one-star health grades rating, right? I did. (laughs) And this is an interesting point that before we get into talking all about how to manage them, is recognizing that working with certain populations, you might end up working with people who are more likely to Mm -hmm. be upset with your type of service in the first place. My practice, I tend to work a lot with adolescents and with children. So there's not a lot of eight-year-olds that are going to go out and (laughs) post a Yelp review on me. Maybe... Club Penguin or something like that, but, but what, not, not their therapist. <laughs> not yeah. So what I have to manage is also parents' reviews of me. So this one star rating that I got was a parent who was upset, and I don't remember the exact language around it, but they were talking about well, all Kurt does is play with the kids and show them videos. Which after the fact, I'm kind of piecing together that yes, sometimes I use popular media to illustrate to kids some of the issues that they have going on. But this review was. Crazy critical of my methods in relating to children how they go about their problems in their day-to-day life. What was interesting about this particular rating is that it rated on a number of different areas. So it was responsiveness, cleanliness of the waiting room, wait time, and all of these areas, I got a one-star review. And so the wait time, I think, was over an hour is what they had clicked on me, which really in our type of work, if a client's showing up over an hour ahead of your session, that's kind of on them. So I didn't put a lot of responsibility on this particular review. I knew that having one negative review kind of bruised my ego a little bit, but this was one person who was upset about something. It was one parent who was upset about something that I didn't put a lot of stock into it. Now, if there's tons of reviews that are coming out negatively about me, then I'm probably going to have to look a little bit more about how I'm practicing and looking for feedback from not only my clients, but other professionals on how I should go about changing what I'm doing. I think that's important because too often I think people will look at a negative review, negative feedback from a client. And there's a couple of different responses I've seen. There's people who get very hurt and their ego is very bruised. They don't manage it well and they feel very, I don't know what the right word is, maybe disgruntled. But there's also a lot of people who will turn it against the client and talk about resistance and will talk about how it was personality disorder or you know they'll say that that's the reason that the client had this negative response or the negative reaction. And I really liked how you talked about looking at your own emotional response and then really assessing, is this feedback that I need to make sure that I'm addressing for myself? Because I think we're not perfect. We can't expect to be perfect. And when a client gives us feedback, we don't need to to automatically think, oh, I'm a horrible therapist, but we shouldn't just think it's resistance and it's clinically diagnostic that they're telling us that we're not good therapists. Thrizer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thrizer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thrizer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thrizer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thrizer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. 
Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. And the first step in all of this is when you do see that you have a negative review about you is back away from the keyboard. Don't <laughs> take a breath and back away from the keyboard. Don't respond back that while clients have the opportunity to break their own confidentiality about treatment, to air their grievances about their own problems online, even in responding to that, there is a confidentiality that you have to maintain in acknowledging the relationship. So back away from the keyboard, don't respond back to them, take a breath, go find your centered place, go find a reflection of, is this something that I should really change and make an appropriate decision from there. But don't respond back to your clients. I had seen several years ago, a I think it was a chiropractor who was responding to negative online reviews and was talking about how clients were messing up their own treatments in response to their reviews of him. Oh, wow. That's, that's not good. No. And I'm sure that this violates all sorts of HIPAA and other confidentiality laws and airing that kind of stuff. So don't dig an even deeper hole for yourself by responding online. And I think people can feel like, well, they broke their confidentiality. I need to defend myself. I get that. There's definitely times when you know I felt like my reputation had been impacted by something and I didn't feel like I had the, the power. I wasn't empowered to respond to it and it felt very hard. But your impression of that chiropractor was not fixed no, by, it wasn't. by, by what, what happened. And so I think being able to step back and not jump into the fray, not respond, not kind of respond to the haters, so to speak, is the first step in really having a professional response as well as making sure that you're managing the confidentiality like you're talking about. I think one of the things that I would always want to do if I'm getting a negative review or a negative feedback from a client is really try to address it in person. I think it's something where we're in preparation for this. Kurt and I read a couple of different articles. The one I'm referring to is, is an article that CAMP, California Association of Marriage and Family Therapists, put together. And they really said, if the client's approachable, make sure that you go and talk to them in person and, and try to resolve it and see if they can remove it. Because especially Yelp and, and a lot of other places, they really are protecting consumers and not just removing reviews because, you know, they don't know. Maybe you are a bad therapist or maybe there is some warning to other consumers that needs to be available. And so the review is not going to be removed by Yelp most likely. And so being able to try to talk to them in person, depending on the relationship, depending on how you're interacting with them can be a good first step. And the other article that we are really going to refer to a lot here comes from the American Psychological Association. And we'll include links to both of these articles in the show notes. So don't feel like you're having to pull over to the side of the road. <laughs> read these right now. But both of these are really going to refer a lot to very similar things. When it comes to sites like Yelp, I've heard not from therapists, but from restaurant owners that the way that the Yelp system works is that you can flag negative reviews for being out of line or being defamatory or libelous. And Yelp is not generally going to remove those reviews from you unless there's really kind of a court order or judge's order to do so. Now, for really popular type restaurants or industries or service industries like ours, where reviews really do reflect a lot on the way that we are portrayed online or portrayed in referral ways, a negative review can have a pretty big impact on us. Yelp has a reputation for charging businesses to pay into their system to not have the negative reviews go to the top. That you, sounds kind of shady to me. I'm not going to make any sort of libelous things about <laughs> Yelp, 
But if you're faced with this kind of a decision, one of the things that you are allowed to do is to solicit testimonials from colleagues or from friends about your work ethic, about the way that you hold yourself in professional settings. Some people might be hesitant to talk about how you actually are in the room because most of us don't visit other therapist sessions and see how they are Mm -hmm. in those types of situations. But to have the opportunity to have other people speak highly of you, who you ethically can ask, is one way of managing this as well. Yeah, I know that there's been a lot of people that have done that. And I think it's it's really effective, especially if these are people who can truly comment on the work that you do. I know that there's a lot of colleagues that I've collaborated with that would be more than willing to provide positive reviews if needed and actually be a good way to even kind of proactively set a positive online reputation so that you can already have that stacked there. So it's not like all of a sudden you only have a negative review and then all of a sudden there's this flurry of positive reviews from your colleagues. I think proactively setting a positive online reputation can be helpful if that's where your clients are finding you. I don't think my clients find me on Yelp, so I haven't really, I've claimed the profile, but I haven't done anything with it. But I think that there's folks who work with millennials, I'm assuming people who are interacting online, they're going to get probably ratings, but they're also going to get clients from those sites and need to have an up-to-date Yelp and, and have something there that's really appealing to their clients. This even broadens out into the other things that show up online about you as well, that part of if you dig deep enough into the Google search history under my name is that you're going to see how well or how poorly I did in high school athletic (laughs) events. Unfortunately, the internet never forgets some things. And one of those is athletic results. But Mm -hmm. that's something that I can live with. I'm fairly open about what my background is, and especially working with teenagers of showing that kind of things. In contrast, one of the therapists who used to work with me in her previous life had dated an actor who appears very highly in the news from time to time. Mm. And if you Google this therapist's name, what comes up is about her dating history and being in this gossip. So she has an extra step of having to manage stuff that didn't even happen while she's a therapist or, or things that are very hard to beat in search engine optimization. You're not really going to get above LA Times. You're not really going to get above Hollywood Reporter because those are publications that have a lot of pull within search results. You might need to portray yourself with a professional name that might include your middle name. It might include for women who get married, looking at, do I want to work under my maiden name? Do I want to work under my married name? Do I want to hyphenate as a way of really distinguishing yourself from stuff that you really can't control as being online? That's so, so critical because we are told to Google ourselves. And I think for me, I can definitely Google myself pretty easily. And there's not that many Katie Vernoys. My full name is Catherine Vernoy. And so, and it's often misspelled. So finding stuff about me isn't hard, but it's not necessarily necessarily simple, I guess, is the the way to look at it. But if somebody's had another profession, another life, there's a lot of stuff there. And I think that speaks again to what you're talking about related to having a lot of positive content. Now, getting past LA Times and TMZ and, you know, any of those kinds of things is tough. But for those of us that didn't have the the flashy past, the other things are older that don't really relate to who we are anymore. The newer content, the blog posts, the videos, the things that we're putting out online could potentially, quote unquote, bury 
those other things and at least have the balance increase towards our professional personas. I think another place that we show up is also on social media. There's certainly rules about whether or not you friend your clients. My goal is no. And I think that that's a pretty clear dual relationship. But I have clients that follow my business pages. There's definitely personal and public things that are professional things, I guess, if we're using our professional and personal that go out on Facebook and social media. And so you have to manage what's going out and what can be seen by the public. But there's also these Facebook groups that therapists Mm -hmm. interact with each other. And granted, therapists are clients too. And so theoretically, you could be in a Facebook group with your therapist or with a client and it's thousands of people and you have to navigate that. But I think that's unique to therapists who are also clients. But there's also how other therapists view you based on what you post in these groups and how you respond and comment. This is anything from how critical you are to how funny that you think that you are. (laughs) (laughs) I like to think that I'm pretty funny, but even then I try to hold myself to a pretty professional standard when it comes to how I'm responding in these groups or what I'm posting in these groups. And this might even come down to what you choose as your profile picture. And some people are going to only want your professional picture up there. Some people are open to cartoon type things or an avatar of some sort. But in the way that you respond or the way that you post questions really is a testament to how professional you are as well. So, And how open-minded you are. I think there's oftentimes people who will respond to something and they'll respond in a very strong, negative way. They'll start judging the person who's posted the question. And it's really off-putting to me anyway. I think that people can come back with a strong, respectful point of view, but there's so many times when people are like, oh, well, I never had that problem. Or why would you do that? Or, oh, well, this is the world giving you a lesson or, you know, that kind of stuff. It's like there's these pieces of, I don't know, it's not vitriol. It's not even necessarily haters, although it has gone there in some of these groups. Mm-hmm. It's it's this condescension maybe even or closed-mindedness that can happen that this is a written media mostly. I mean, yeah, there's videos that go out, but in these groups, there's you're written and people are trying to assess and understand and, and interpret what you're saying and it could be really bad. And so I think it's, you want to make sure that you are living your brand and talking about your perspective, but also understand how what you say impacts other people because it does impact your online reputation. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. Even when you are responding genuinely to be able to respond to the types of questions that are being asked in a relevant and timely way. So there's a lot of times that I see people asking for a referral in some of the larger LA networking groups that we might be in. I'm looking for a referral in one part of the city who takes this specific type of insurance and is a specialist with this type of population. Mm -hmm. And somebody who's an hour and a half drive away... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who doesn't take insurance, who doesn't 
specialize in anything, who's just looking to fill their practice with clients, tends to be viewed more as somebody who's out of touch or desperate and not really cognizant of what is really being asked. And that kind of puts them down as well. Oh, for sure. I think the people are hungry for clients, hungry for visibility. They are trying to squeak out uh, outside of Marketing Monday when we're allowed to put these posts up. And so they're trying to find any opportunity to post about their practice or to connect to a client. And it's really out of touch and it feels salesy. It feels, it just feels like they're not really paying attention to the real issues of the client. Somebody's not going to drive an hour and a half for a super bill for somebody that doesn't specialize in their specific issue. And it just seems ridiculous. I think it's also something where it's a lot stronger if you have colleagues who are looking on these groups who are referring you versus you saying, well, I can help them (laughs) because there's that other reputation piece of, well, I'm free. Well, I'm free. Well, I'm free. It's not horrible, but I think it is stronger when somebody else identifies you as somebody to refer to. And when you're posting referrals or you're posting things about clients that you leave as many details out as possible, it's one thing to ask for, I'm looking for a referral for somebody who works with adolescents in a particular area versus Mm -hmm. I'm looking for a therapist in this particular area to work with a 16-year-old whose parents are going through a divorce after the older sibling was killed in action in Afghanistan and they're Mm -hmm. a person of color that gets really, really specific that violates a lot of the confidential factors about a client in the first place. Yeah, I moderate a couple of Facebook groups and that's something that I have to watch really closely because there's kind of basic demographics because even before you, you know, you started saying, well, a 16-year-old boy who with parents who are divorcing, that's probably okay. But once you get into and the older brother was killed in action and then there's this ethnicity and then there's this timeline and there's this space and then there's this insurance, it just seems like it compounds really quickly. And I think whether somebody's seeking a referral or even wanting some kind of consultation advice, it needs to be so removed from any identifying client information. And I think people feel really restricted by that because it's like, I have this whole network of people who could give me great ideas or great referrals. I need to give them more information, but you really don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you really need consultation that badly on with that much specifics, you know, consult in person or on the phone. If you need a referral that's that specific, talk to your colleagues in your network. It's something where one of the groups that we're both in is therapists in private practice. The moderator there has posted this thing like screenshot test. Like if somebody screenshotted what you wrote and put it in front of your client, would they know you were talking about them? And that can even be time sensitive when you saw them. It can be what you talked about. Like there's so many pieces and you have to be so cautious. And I think when therapists kind of break those boundaries, not only is it not good for the profession and it's not ethical and those types of things, it looks bad. And I think therapists start going like, whoa, why are you sharing all that information? That screenshot test is really a good idea because you never know what can go viral. And it's never the things that you intend to. It's never the thing that you're like, oh, this is really funny and this would really put me in a good light and people can see what I'm doing well. But it's the things that you don't necessarily intend to that people grab onto and pass around that you don't really have any control over. It's like trying to catch a feather in the wind seven days after it blew away. People think, well, I'm in this private therapist Facebook group. People are vetted coming in. There's thousands of people in some of these groups. And I've personally have heard of people who have screenshotted something from one Facebook group, put it in another therapist Facebook group and commented on it. And it was something where it was addressed and everybody did what they were supposed to do, except the person who screenshotted it and moved it over. But 
even in the therapist groups where we're supposed to be holding confidentiality, we're all human beings. There's people who are looking at Facebook in the middle of the night, maybe after they've had a couple of drinks. There's people who are upset and frustrated after reading something and they let their emotions show through. There's a lot of therapists who are emotional themselves and this is their place to let loose and put their hair down a little bit. But I think we need to be cautious because these are still professional arenas. And even though it's a social media, we're still impacting our professional reputation in these online platforms. And we still have professional responsibilities of confidentiality and appropriate. I know that some people really try to look at what some of the privacy settings are. I know that Facebook has settings that you can limit who can look at your page, who can even friend request you or send you messages. Facebook's also pretty notorious for changing those settings from time to time and allowing a little bit wider swath to find you to be able to request what you're doing. So even when you think that you have things locked down, things can change and Mm -hmm. they can change a lot faster. They can change very discreetly without us even knowing about it. So be very careful in what you're posting, even when you think that you are safe. I know for me, I'm really glad that a lot of these social media sites didn't come around until I was well after my teenage years myself, because, you know, there's some some millennials that are going to have some hard time finding jobs if people really dig into their social media history too far. But as adults, we should all be making smart decisions about what we post online. This isn't to say that you aren't free to post your opinions. It's just to be really cognizant of how that can shape people's views of you. For sure. I think that's the takeaway is if you're online in any arena, whether it's your website, whether it's social media, whether it's these review sites, really be conscious of being professional, taking a breath before you type anything, making sure that you recognize that what you put out there, even if it's something that was in a moment, is something that potentially is there forever and could negatively impact your reputation. And conversely, if you're putting a lot of positive content out there, you really are able to build a very positive brand that can be appealing to clients and they can feel like they know a lot more about you because they will, because you're putting out, you're living your brand and you're putting those positive things out there. And if the negative stuff is coming out, seek support from other therapists, ask for help, ask for positive reviews from your friends. If there seems to be a lot of negative reviews coming from one particular client or one particular place, you might want to contact your malpractice insurance carrier first and see if they have any suggestions on what you might want to be able to do with that. And understand that we are all in this together as a profession and that any negative therapist thing that's posted on social media reflects on all of us. So part of this too is in a supportive way, helping to reflect back to what you are seeing going on online in a way that makes us all look good. Yeah, stop making us look bad, guys. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, (laughs) check out our social media. (laughs) And put positive reviews there. Definitely. And if you don't have positive stuff for us, send it to us. We'll try to respond back to you. Any positive criticisms, any critical criticisms that you might have, we are pretty open to it. And if there's anything that you want to hear us talk about in the future, either send us a direct message on one of our social media profiles or visit our website, mtsgpodcast.com or post something with hashtag modern therapist problems. We can turn a lot of stuff into future episodes and check out our therapy reimagined conference coming up in October of 2018 here in the Los Angeles area. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes.
Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months.